Hello, everybody, and welcome back to How Did You Do It? Thank you so much for joining me today. On this episode, we have Kat Pollard, and we discuss all things adoption and Kat reaching out and meeting her birth mother. We discussed Kat's journey on freezing her eggs and what that journey looks like. And finally, we also discussed all things healing. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. And as always, I love to hear the feedback. Okay, Kat, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. Oh, good. Thank you for having me. As we were just discussing a little bit earlier, I think a great way to start this would be to tell everyone who's watching and listening how we met. And I remember it was probably at 6.25 a.m. on a Friday morning that we started talking to each other. We were sitting next to each other, surrounded by fairy lights and community at the Mindset Adventure, which we are both part of. It was my first ever Mindset Adventure that I had gone on and I was sitting next to you and we just connected immediately over our journeys and I think learning more about you you have such a beautiful story and you do so much for yourself. You're empowered, you're brave. And I think that we can all talk about it and learn from you. I feel like it's fair to disclose that I'm still working it all out. Absolutely. I felt like when we connected, we were very much, I could really resonate with where you were, where is this sort of changing of times of moving from one life that used to serve you and possibly no longer does. And having that courage and that bravery to to stand in the discomfort of healing and I guess show up for yourself and I feel like that's probably where the mind mindset adventure is both both captured yeah. our hearts is in that Absolutely. kind of space and I also think that you know the journey never ends of working on yourself you never get to the end point because you get somewhere and then I feel like life goes, okay, you've done that. So let's just expand on that feeling a little bit. Can you apply that lesson to this lesson? And it's all, it, there's never an end goal. It's all a journey. Let's get into a little bit about your story. Sure. So I'll do the basic boring stuff. I am a 35-year-old woman. I have an interesting story of healing and growth. I was adopted at five months of age which I think has really shaped a lot of important connections to relationships and relationship to myself. I know as a teen and 20-year-old, there was a lot of self-doubt and insecurity and essentially, I guess, not knowing who I was. I knew a lot of the themes about myself, things that I was strong at or strengths and weaknesses but having probably that deep connection. So I am actually a writer now and I work within the marketing space. I work with a non-for-profit organization. I am very empathetic to the world, sometimes to my own detriment. It leaves me feeling a little bit exhausted at times. I love how you said, let's start with the boring stuff. So I'm a <laughs> For me, as someone that's lived with it my whole life, I feel that it's less exciting. But it's definitely exciting working through the healing part of that journey. Have you ever tried to reach out to your birth parents? Is that something that you feel strongly about? Yes, that's like a whole other podcast. But yes, I, I connected with my birth mother just bef- just in the midst of lockdowns, I think before the whole world ended. And we connected via Facebook and I actually had the pleasure of meeting her earlier this year in the flesh and two half-brothers. 
And then my birth father, I, he's passed away, which I found out this year, but I connected with my half, half brother there. Yes. And then I have my, my parents that adopted me here, my, my mum and my dad, who that's what I call my mum and my dad. They adopted another child from the Philippines who's also a boy. So I am forever surrounded by brothers. Just a little unfortunate, but that's okay. I feel like that's where I get my tomboy, my tomboy vibes. Tomboy vibes all the way. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How is that for you? I mean, that there probably was a huge fear component to reaching out to your birth mother, right? Definitely. And I think that there's this part of adoption that a lot of people possibly don't speak about. And you have this blessing of living in, in a fantasy world until you have to deal with the reality. I remember as a kid telling myself that my mum must have been famous and she would have you, you know, had this whole narrative about what she was doing in her life based off what I was interested in at the time. I think there was times that she must have been an actress or a singer or whatever I was curiously interested in. And then you sort of, you go through your 20s, for me anyway, and realised that your very first relationship in this world was essentially one of abandonment and that creates a big anxious attachment. So definitely have abandonment issues that I've had to work mm. through in my 20s and 30s. And that's really impacted my relationships, I guess, from, I would say, 16 to 30. So there, there was a lot of, there's a lot of things that I've had to deal with and work through that I think, I wouldn't say jaded the experience, but they sort of weigh, weigh on your shoulders. So it was exciting to meet her and I had lots of questions. I just felt that after the experience, I was left with more questions <laughs> as opposed to every answer. Probably opens up this rabbit hole. I can imagine having this expectation of feeling some type of fulfillment or some type of perspective. But as you said, if it's opening up all of these questions and it probably takes you down this whole other quest of exploring and I guess showing up for yourself as well, I think that you know, when we go through healing, it's just constantly coming back to yourself. And that's, for me especially, it is. so hard because, and I remember I literally said one time, oh, do I have to go back to myself again? Like, really? <laughs> Can I blame it on someone else, please? <laughs> Why is it me? <laughs> I'm the problem, clearly. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. A lot of people ask you know, how was it? You know, was it life changing? And I have to remind them that for me, my birth mother is essentially a stranger. And I'm 30, I was 34 when I met her. And so while she has a different attachment, having carried a child for nine odd months and spent a lifetime, you know, wondering about that. For me, it's just the start of the relationship with someone new. So I'm very glad I did it. But it wasn't like everything just fell into place, some big giant Hollywood moment it was real and it was raw and it was yeah. uncomfortable and just, yeah to some extent still processing yeah, of parts course. of it thank you for sharing that and I think touching on your point we all think that we're gonna have this Hollywood moment right like I know in my life I've reached Please. milestones and mm -hmm. something would happen and I'd be like oh my god this is great and then I would have this feeling of but why doesn't it feel like that moment just facing okay well there's still parts of me that don't feel fulfilled and why is that and exploring those questions that come up with it as well. I wanted to talk a little bit about 
how you have empowered yourself. Definitely. I feel like I've gone against the grain in many ways in my life, in especially in the last few years. I guess what we've spoken about too is one of my big steps of, I guess, taking control of my own life and feeling empowered was when I froze my eggs. I love that you took that step. I honestly have so many conversations with friends and females and even colleagues just about, you know, when do you make that decision and when in life, you know, is it important to look at your own health to freeze your eggs if your life isn't panning out the way that you thought it would? And then there's this whole journey of figuring out how to do it, the money around it, the privilege around it, the, you know, yeah, walk us through. Definitely. So I started my journey, I was actually in a relationship and we were looking at starting a family. The relationship was abusive in every facet that you can imagine. So I really felt when I finished that relationship that it was really important not to let the pressure of wanting to have family and that ticking time bomb of the biological clock ruin or control my decisions. I didn't want to be stuck again in a situation where I essentially felt like I needed to be in a relationship with a person, even if it was really all signs pointing to wrong, because I had, you know, maybe two or three years left to have kids. So I definitely took that pressure off. And I still remember when we had ended and it was quite nasty. I still remember him, you know, manipulatively saying, oh, you know, I'm worrying about you because like for me, it won't matter. I'm a guy, but you know, you probably won't be able to have kids now. And I feel like that mentality really was the push in the back that I needed. I had no idea what, what that would look like if I was still fertile. I had not like zero idea. I was, and this is nowhere near as intelligent or sophisticated as I'm sure everyone would like to know, but I was deeply influenced by the Mindy Project. I was watching that show at the time and she's an OBGYN and it really, her side business in the show has to do with fertility. So watching that show was also another piqued my interest. I also think it's amazing how we have to do our own research to learn about our own capabilities. And I was watching snippets of the diary of a CEO the other day and he was like embarrassingly I know nothing about the female cycle and I was reflecting on what I learned about the female cycle at school and it's just not adequate such a failing for women I haven't been in school obviously since my own schooling experience so I hope since then times have changed and maybe it's something to do for me to do more research and if those times have changed and if they're really empowering women with understanding their cycle because the other thing is yeah you know I was placed on the pill or I made the decision to go on the pill without knowing how to even research it and the the consequences of that was so serious for me and I just Mm. would love for younger women to feel like they have the choice and the power and to not feel like there's this ticking time bomb when we can empower ourselves like freezing our eggs So what was the process where you were like, okay, I'm going to freeze my eggs. What did you do next? So I went to the doctor. I knew that the first thing would be to check my fertility. I had no idea. Spoiler alert, it's a blood test and an internal 
ultrasound, which is what you imagine. It's like a giant rod. <laughs> Can I say phallus shaped <laughs> thing, camera that goes inside you? It's fine. It's yeah. It's just at the time I was single, so I'm sure she hears this all the time. I was like, yes, this is the most action I've had, and she's like, oh. <laughs> Super awkward for her. I was having a laugh. But that's, yeah, that's your initial, that's your initial test. So how many, I guess, egg follicles do you have or have the capability of? And they sort of determine where you are on, on the cycle of, I guess, yeah, producing eggs. For me, I was right on the cusp. So that meant, which was great, it meant that I had an option of having some covered by Medicare. Again, this is a huge place of privilege having a healthcare system that does cover these things. I know that this is not the journey for everyone. And I've had friends from Canada and the UK ask about what it looks like there. So I'm not 100% sure for every country. But yeah, once I sort of knew where I stood in terms of my fertility, I was able to make the decision of, of whether I wanted to go through the process of freezing my eggs. And I chose to. And I guess I'm in a similar boat to you. I feel like as women, we are, we're very uneducated about our female cycle. I think that the contraceptive pill is given out like Panadol. And if not for the fact that for a lot of women, it causes like a huge hormone surge, which can, you know, affect anxiety, depression, a whole range of different things. So I was really cautious and consider it about this process because I knew that I would be essentially injecting a lot of hormones in, into me. So, yeah, that's kind of how the process started. So to freeze your eggs, a component of it is how do you take those hormones? Yeah, you have to inject yourself. It's good fun. So the first part of the process is basically like putting your eggs on steroids to grow as many as possible, mm. to fill the egg sacs with as many eggs as possible. And then you have to sort of freeze those in time so that they're not releasing. And then when the time is right and you're ready to have them collected, you, you release them and then they go in, take what they can, and they're done. How do they collect the eggs? Like I'm imagining cutting you open. <laughs> no, they go in internally. A similar, yeah, they go up. Up as opposed to through but you're all under anesthetic so you are none the wiser a little soreness afterwards yeah I was gonna ask how is the recovery process the recovery for me was fine I faced a few challenges during the whole time I like I've shared with you I made a pretty bold decision at the time not to get vaccinated until I I had finished my egg cycle. I had shared stories with other female friends about it affecting their cycle. And I felt that when I was outlaying $10,000, I really couldn't afford to have it come early or not at all or late because I was really working to a fine timeline. And so I actually got through my very first round of hormones. I got to day nine and I actually, I got COVID. So I wasn't allowed to go in and operate and day nine for me was when things started to get pretty emotional with the hormone so that was extremely hard <laughs> how did you support yourself through that yeah I mean well <laughs> I couldn't leave my house which was also interesting but I really just I surrounded myself 
with people that got it and people that lifted me up and were supportive. And I really just had to come back to my why and my intuition. And I really had to feel like what I was doing was the right choice. I got over it quite quickly. It is what it is. And luckily, I didn't have to pay anything for that round, which was good. Just had to get more of the hormone injections. I actually was gearing up to go round two. And that's when they announced that it was no longer a, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was considered an elective surgery in the state of Victoria. So anything to do with IVF and egg collection was deemed by the government as not an essential healthcare service, which I just really feel shows how much we don't understand about female fertility and women's health. I missed the boat by a day for that round. So third time was the charm. And at that point, I think the hardest thing for me was to push the anger aside and to push, I guess, the politics and the stress of what was happening in the world with COVID and just the nonstop destruction and division, I guess, what I was seeing in my personal groups. And I just really had to push all that aside and not be overwhelmed by anger, not be overwhelmed by those negative feelings and just really come back into myself. You know, I think it's such an important topic to discuss because these emotions show up and they sh- where we can't escape them. If we push them down, they'll come out in other ways. And, you know, there's such a, I feel like it's always not in the wellness space, like a buzzword of like intuition and listen to yourself. And it's like, how do you actually do that? Because there's a really quiet voice inside you that in a knowing where it's, you know, you're, I know my name is Gabby. You know, your name is Cat. There is no question about that. So it's that feeling of certainty. But when there is so much chaos and question and other people like infiltrating your mental space as well, how did you, or what did you do to come back to your why? What was the process of being like, okay, I'm feeling anger and it's, let's not underestimate how anger shows up. Like it shows up through tears. It shows up through the chest. It shows up in the belly. Like what, how did you get yourself through the anger and come back to your why yeah I think processing it as healthy healthily as I could at that time it was you know post-covid I wasn't able to leave my house I wasn't able to have a dating life I wasn't able to have a sex life because of the hormones I was relatively excluded from lots of parts so I really did the thing that I normally don't do and lent into it and really tried to feel what I felt and do things that connected me back to nature. That was a really important thing for me. Still like quieting, quietening the outside and the external voices and noise. I really tried to stay fit and active. I did things that were quiet and calm, like reading and jigsaw puzzles and all of the old lady things. And then for me, I think intuition really shows up in my gut. It always has my gut and my heart. And those things just kept guiding get kept guiding me and to some I guess it would seem woo but I think if you have a strong connection to self you understand you understand what your body's trying to tell you I will say though my my ultimate reason for doing this was that I didn't want to give control to anybody else I was making a decision for me and for me only so that was a very big motivation when I kept coming to roadblocks and it was just that reaffirming that this was for me and this was so I had autonomy over my body 
and my choices. And at that time, I, I wasn't willing to let anyone else have control over those things. I, I'm thinking because I have so many questions and I have so many ways that I could <laughs> voice it. Because I think it's important, A, going into stillness, you know, going into nature, literally placing yourself in an area that is quiet and really being selective with who you let into that inner space because it's so important. And I think, you know, with you being in a situation of not having control, there's probably been a process, and I'm assuming, so correct me if I'm wrong, where you've had to learn to trust yourself a little bit as well and to give yourself that power. And maybe there was an internal voice that was scared to do that because for so long there hadn't been control. So yeah, what was the process like? For you taking back control, do you remember the first time you were like, okay, no, I'm not going to give my control away to anybody? Or was it any ever like wobbles in taking that control back to yourself? So many wobbles. I was still in contact with my ex and there were still elements of abuse going on. So there were definitely moments where I could have crumbled. I kind of liken my experience to teenage rebellion and <laughs> that really pushing against the grain to make a point. And I think in part, I was trying to make a point both to myself and my ex-partner at the time that that I was in control. It was extremely hard to regain control, but I think like most things that are difficult, if consistency is key, even if those moves are very tiny little mm -hmm. ones. And also being around people that were cheering me on. I think that's such a huge thing. I think we often stay in relationships of all descriptions for out of guilt, out of convenience, because you share history with, you know, a group of friends or whatnot. So really finding people that were in my corner. Have you found that your people in your community has shifted this year with all of these decisions? Oh, so much. So I, I had an issue with Within my family, one of my cousins, she was suffer she was battling with cancer and passed away in the middle of this. So I wasn't able to go to the funeral. I had people because of, I guess, the, the politics of the time. I had a lot of people make comments about me and my character and say things like, oh, I understand why you're doing it, but also essentially you're this and this. And I just really realized that at the age of you know, in my 30s, I just, I didn't really care to entertain it. I felt like I only had a certain amount of energy in the bank. And I still feel like this today, I have X amount of energy. And I'm not going to invest that energy in an investment that has no return. So, you know, obviously, I don't expect all of my friends to be able to fill my cup all of the time. We're human. But it's essentially the ones that are continually draining, the ones that are not showing up support the ones that even I had friends that disagreed with where my journey was however they still did so with love and respect I very much think that's possible to see the world differently yeah and I think that's such an important point because people is such a huge part of our lives whether we like it or not they're everywhere they're around and when you have a group of people that see you and they hold space for you and even if they don't agree with you to be able to communicate that in a way without love and respect mm -hmm. like it's for me my number one thing is not to judge because you don't ever know what someone's going through and you can't see 
their perspective because you're not in their shoes. So acting in kindness is number one. I think that surrounding yourself with people who, you know, give you that love and they give you that support and they cheer you on is is so pivotal in changing your life and making steps to give back to yourself, you know, especially when we all have stuff from childhood, from teenagers, even 20s. So many conversations are, you know, surrounded by feeling lost and not feeling connected to the people and changing friendships groups and changing relationships. And it can feel so lonely. And then you kind of get to a part of the healing journey where you're like, if I'm showing up for myself and I'm happy like within what's going on inside then it doesn't really like those external things don't matter as much you know obviously they can always have an effect but they don't hold as much weight into how you feel and how you show up for yourself and the decisions that you make definitely I think it's a really important lesson to learn in life is that when you have the space to let go of things that don't serve you it really does open up space for things that do and being okay with goodbyes what is it that the saying of you have people for a reason or a season? <laughs> and I think that, you know, I've lived overseas a few times. I've done things which have forced goodbyes and being okay to let people go and to say, okay, this is where our journey ends. I think it's the hardest lesson. I think that it can still always show up as an emotion of pain or an emotion of that was amazing at the time or that served its purpose for a time and just coming to peace with the fact that it's no longer there or present doesn't take away from the memory of it or the feeling of it there is that quote you know people won't remember what you say but they'll remember how you made them feel and so in any type of relationship I think whether it's positive or negative or however it ended or however it's you know like even with grief of someone passing away you can choose how you want to remember it as well and then yeah it helps with saying goodbye to the future you know that it, you know you can get through that goodbye as well definitely I also was interested in because I think there's so much conversation around healing and it's seen as like this journey and then you heal and we've already discussed there's no real end point but I liked what you said earlier about consistency in healing because it's so tempting to sometimes make old choices that you know isn't going to serve you and like sometimes we do sometimes I make choices that I'm like I know that this isn't the right choice for me right now but I'm gonna do it anyway (laughs) I'll learn the lesson when it comes and then the lesson comes sometimes it's fun (laughs) sometimes it's just easier to just give in to making old choices but consistency I mean for me in my journey like there have been many times consistent periods of times of just not feeling great you know and then a really great chapter will come and I feel great and then something will show up and then it's, you know, the journey of life and then you learn little things. And I wanted to ask, did you find that there was like a big chunk of healing for you and then you felt okay or was it, okay, I'm going to go into healing, go through the big motions of healing? Like how does that look for you today? I think it's like a lot of things in my life, I feel like I realize the benefits when they're no longer there or I've moved through the situation. I think that hindsight's just one of those very beautiful things. For me specifically, I notice when I've consistently been doing things and when I'm open to receiving and doing things, I notice that's when I have the best, I won't say results, but the best feeling. I feel like results is 
you know, it can be determined by each individual what a result is. It's subject to the individual. So I would say my best healing times are when I'm feeling good, I'm feeling full, I'm feeling balanced, all of those things. And of course, sometimes that means breaking down and crying and being on emotional roller coasters. Sometimes it means completely isolating myself from people to recharge my batteries. It really looks different each time because as with all trauma and pain, healing is, it's a different chapter each time you go back to do it. You sort of are uncovering different layers. So my initial healing, like in context to this, my initial healing was about understanding the type of love that I deserved within romantic relationships. And then that kind of goes back to how you view your internal self and then your relationship for me with adoption. So I think that the healing journey is always taking on new forms and you need to be open to trying what complements that that part of healing. What do you have in your toolkit to put yourself into a place of openness? I wish it was something enlightened, but it's usually out of desperation for me. It's usually hitting rock bottom or feeling like just spinning out and feeling so done and finished with that. I my my most recent healing journey has been after going through something which is called derealization and it's a type of disassociative panic attack which I've been working through and really what's prompted me was just just that feeling of despair of I can't have another panic attack like this. I got, I'm exhausted. I just want to be mm-hmm. be better. And that usually activates the tools in the toolkit. I think it's so interesting because, you know, a couple of weeks ago I was in a place where I was just like, I am done. There is no picking me up off of this floor. That's where I'm going to stay until the end of time. <laughs> Typical when you're like dramatizing it. And I really <laughs> felt like in that moment that was me done. And You know, I said to myself, you cannot pick yourself up right now because of this space that you're in. So give yourself the time to feel this to its fullest extent. Like I literally had to go through all of the emotions and then they eased. And then, you know, the light of day came through and and it's led me on a whole other path of, you know, self-discovery and exploring and getting curious and trying to see the magic in the hardship as well because you speak to anyone and you understand that these emotions are relevant to everyone it's just our coping mechanisms right and how we can create something for ourselves definitely and I think we have a huge ego in this society of being okay and I've noticed this as a woman especially I feel that the pressure of having a powerful and meaningful career but having meaningful you know, romantic relationships and this idea of, you know, having a great home for people to come and visit. And I feel like sometimes a lot of different societal pressures and weights, and most of that sits with my ego. And sometimes I think that the most freeing thing to do is to say, I'm struggling, I'm failing, I'm, you know, I'm really not coping and just let the ego die a little. Yeah, because then you can rebuild, right? I, I don't think you can authentically rebuild and authentically heal if you can't. When you say I'm failing, do you say that to other people? Or do you say that to yourself? Because I have ego <laughs> problems. <laughs> no, to be honest, I have. I'm. I'm so so blessed. My 
my bestie and I voice note like all week, every week she lives in the Gold Coast. I have a super safe place with her. We were both going through very toxic relationships at the same time. So all cards are always on the table. But it does take time too because you want to be everything for everybody. So I do tell her when I'm having a hard time and I tell my partner, that's one thing that I've really been learning now in this new relationship is that I can't expect people to know what I want and I can't expect support if I am not honest with how I'm feeling. So obviously if I'm like falling in a heap crying all the time, I'd expect him to understand. But if I'm acting like everything is okay, then how can he possibly know that I need help? So I'm being a lot more in control and direct about asking for the things that I need in terms of support. And I told him today, I was like, I'm getting my period in 10 days. So I need you to be extra nice and helpful and supportive because we both know that this is not a fun time. Because I'm on it. I'm good. I'm okay. <laughs> That's so lovely. I often think that, you know, it's never a coincidence that we're sent the people that are going through something similar to support what you're going through. And I so think that true. it's so special to be able to openly voice what you're feeling because I also feel like if I voice to someone I'm failing I've never been met with yeah you're a failure internally they go wild they're like yeah Gabby you suck (laughs) but when you have someone safe that you can talk to about it you know it gives perspective as to how you're feeling in the situation you're in and I think as well you know with you being able to talk to your best friend and if she was going through a toxic relationship it puts you outside of yourself. I don't want her to be treated that way. And she wouldn't want you to be treated that way. And so I think as well that we get so stuck in our own stories and we get so stuck in our own like main character moments that if we were to look at it as someone else and giving that person advice and seeing from an objective space, you know, some people come to me and they're like, you know, I'm so scared to do this. And I'm like, you can do that. I can see that they can fully do what they want to do or take that step or have the conversation or whatever it is. But when we're in that, we get so stuck in our minds. Do you have any tools that you use to get you out of your mind, into your body, into a better space? Yes, actually. That links really nicely to what I was just thinking from what you said. I think a huge tool and it's such a reflection of, I feel like where society is at the moment, I think that we often internalize so much And like you just said, get stuck in your own main character moments. And I feel like community is such an important tool to lean on. And, you know, I've been going to to the mindset adventure and, you know, taking time. It's so basic and easy is just stopping and breathing. But it's so impossibly hard to want to make time for that in your busy day. And it's something that you don't necessarily think as a saving grace. But taking the moment to do those things around community is just we've moved away from that helping others carry the burden kind of mentality and I think that we're all fending for ourselves so being around like-minded people that are going through similar things and are not afraid to reach out and genuinely you know help you carry that load. I also love about the mindset adventure which I'll I will be speaking to Elise sometime in the next week or so which is so exciting but so that everyone will have more of an introduction as to what it is. I know we've touched on it, but I think people show up to the Mindset Adventure and they're so willing to be open. And they're so willing to let a stranger in to what they're experiencing. And every time I've gone, I'm met with 
understanding and kindness and support. And I walk away feeling so beautiful. And I think that, you know, there's that saying, it takes a village and in society, we're expected to do it all ourselves. And being around like-minded people is such a superpower when you're in a space of feeling like it's too much. There's too much going on. Totally. Energy is a real thing. I'm a big believer of energy and that's positive and negative. I've never once left the mindset of venture feeling, feeling worse. And I just think that community and that high vibe energy, and it doesn't have to be like toxically mm. positive. You know, we're talking about like real high vibration. I think it has such a huge impact. It creates connection. People are wanting to cheer you on and help lift you up as opposed to pulling you down. And those communities and those little spaces, they're so important for society. I think that they help us thrive. And there's such a lack of it. Like I look at where I can find community. And I mean, the fact that, spoiler, spoiler alert to everyone, for <laughs> the story that will be Elise's next week. But the fact that I met Elise on a night out and I was like, what do you do? And she goes, and then her, her friend Rachel was like, no, like, she does this amazing thing and I ended up going that Friday morning and I met you that first Friday morning and if I hadn't have met her that night out like I would be sitting in all the stuff I'm dealing with not having a beautiful community of people who are truly and honestly there to experience and as you said it's not like this toxic positivity of standing around and you know really raw raw. it's really (laughs) raw there's you know emotion and it's deep but it's this gratitude and recognizing the beauty within all of it as well and I was having a conversation the other day how you know even the island communities have such strong connection to nature and each other and helping and you know it's on us to create that here or to find it and add to that community it is yeah I mean some days I get into those spaces and I feel so overwhelmed they want to cry of you know just that feeling of feeling other people and knowing that they're helping you but knowing that you can help them and just there's something so unbelievably powerful about connection and if anyone hasn't ever done you know, breath work or mindfulness. Obviously, they should come to the mindset adventure, but I, of course, it'd be rude not to. But I really, yeah, I really encourage people to go out and find a community. Yeah. And it's such a safe space when you find like-minded people to hold you and celebrate you. How do you celebrate you? Oh, I'm really awkward at celebrating myself. <laughs> that was last week's theme, wasn't it? Celebrating. I'm going to actively work on telling people about the cool stuff that I do and my wins because I let them go under the radar I'm super sly like that everything's on the down low in my life I don't know why I'm so uncomfortable with celebrating myself I'm sure that's another fun trauma to heal (laughs) I was with this little girl the other day and she's probably six or seven and she said to me I am so good at drawing and I'm so good at this. Uh, and she had a whole list of all these things that she was good at. She was like, what are you good at? And I was like, I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we like that? Why are we so afraid of celebrating? I don't understand. Well, I do. I could answer that. That would be a whole other topic of why we can't <laughs> celebrate ourselves. Because if we look back into how we've had to humble ourselves over time or rejection or the Definitely. ego, you know, but. 
as a child, you can run around and be like, you can do whatever you want. And people are like, you are amazing. You fall over as an adult and people are like, why did you fall over? (laughs) Yes. Are you drunk? Is something wrong with you? So it's such an interesting one, celebrating wins. And I think I was reflecting the other day of how when something really great happens to me, the first thing I want to do is tell someone else. And then I was like, Gabby, celebrate this with you. Like This is something that only you know right now. Feel it. Celebrate it. So my question to you is, what are you celebrating this week? I'm celebrating making it to the gym three times this week already. I feel like my work here is done. I'm celebrating this podcast. I really, this is exciting and fun. And I'm going to tell people about it because I'm going to continue to celebrate the win of talking about my story. And yeah, maybe that's my last win is I'm celebrating being vocal about my story. I also want you to know that I find you inspirational. I really do. (laughs) The fact that you can come on and be so open and authentic and so true to yourself, it's something that is so hard to do. And when we see other people doing it, it helps us to be brave as well. And I think that be proud of that. Be proud of your passion to your self-love, your self-worth, your journey, your healing, and all the things that you are doing to create this life that you feel, you know, so proud of. Thank you for giving me a platform and a space today. <laughs> Thanks for to coming do that. on it. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? It's It's been so much fun. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything that you we haven't covered that you want to say, or is there anything else that you feel strongly about that you'd like to voice? I am always open. I'm sure of your link. This I'm always open if people have questions about about the journey of what I've done. I've had so many friends since I've spoken about freezing my eggs and taking control of over that. I've had lots of friends decide that they wanted to. So if anyone is in that space where they have questions, we didn't dive into the injections, but if people have questions, open books. And my final question to you is what is one thing, if you could have a microphone to a version of Kat who is lost, crying, feeling all the feels, what would you say to her from this space now? I would say prioritize prioritize your feelings and your healing because the more you do that the better life will be I love that I love to my inner <laughs> thank you so much Kat I really appreciate you thank coming you. on and where can people find you on Instagram oh I've just changed it but you'll link it it's little.lifeadventures little dot between all of those words thank you so much for joining me on this episode if you would like to support the podcast please give it a five-star review if you hate it please message me instead see you guys next week